Welcome to the Church and Culture Podcast, a weekly discussion with Dr. James Emery White on the latest trends happening in culture and where and how the church should respond. Jim is the founding and senior pastor of Mecklenburg Community Church in Charlotte, North Carolina, president of Serious Times, a ministry devoted to exploring the intersection of faith and culture, former professor of theology and culture at Gordon-Conwell Theological Seminary, where he also served as their fourth president, and the author of more than 20 books. I am your host, Alexis Dry, and I can't wait to dive into this week's conversation. Hey, everybody. We have been in a series at Mac, which is discussing the various ways in which it really does take courage nowadays for parents to raise their children in ways that honor the Christian faith. Certainly, I'm sure this has been true throughout the ages, but there are some unique challenges of the post-Christian society um, that we live in that have led parents into really uncharted territory in many ways. You know, the world of social media and phones and AI, not to mention all things LGBTQ. So what I want to pick your brain about today, Jim, is the struggle that parents are having when it comes specifically to disciplining their children. Again, this is not a new challenge. It's always been a struggle for parents to know how to properly discipline. But with a new cultural landscape that we're in, parents are having to seek new strategies. And so I want to talk to you about some of those strategies. But first, like it actually feels like we have to start with a philosophy on discipline because the discipline struggles that parents have actually begin now with asking the question, is it even okay for me to discipline my children? And the answer for some, I'm sure, seems axiomatic, but if you if you really think about it in terms of the culture that we're living in, it, it really isn't anymore. Um, so I, I would love for you to talk about that a little bit, specifically um, maybe in the context of what's being referred to now as gentle parenting. Could you talk about that? I would like to. Um, the heart of gentle parenting sometimes known as attachment parenting. And the reason I said I would like to, because I remember when you proposed this to me, um, there was a lot that has been swirling around inside my own thinking as I've reflected on this and have been watching this particular movement and learning more about it. So yes, I'm, I'm anxious to get into this. I think it'll be helpful in, and um, for all of us to think it through biblically. The heart of gentle parenting, sometimes known as uh, attachment parenting or respectful parenting or mindful parenting or intentional parenting, it's got a lot of names. But gentle parenting is one that we'll, we'll stick with. Is parenting that is uh, philosophically very child-centric. That's, that's the heart of, of, its, of its, its, that's its DNA. And what I mean by that is, is that it's parenting that is less about a parent leading their child and more about a parent facilitating things with their child. Uh, it's less about a parent in charge. It encourages a partnership between the parent and the child that results in choices based on an internal willingness rather than external pressure. The goal is to acknowledge a child's feelings and the motivations behind their behavior as opposed to actually correcting the behavior itself. It emphasizes the, the, the emotions of the child. The parent is, is a coach instead of a disciplinarian. Boundaries are set, to be sure, but the, but the child is given choices instead of orders. There are really no rewards or punishments or threats. So get sticker charts and, and, and timeouts or I will turn this car around <laughs> kind of statements uh, out of your head instead of commands such as, uh, Timmy, put on your pants 
the parent tries to understand why a child is acting the way that they are. So instead of Timmy, put on your pants, it's, hey, buddy, don't you want to wear pants today? Or maybe they try and supply the answer um, uh, for the child in a way to kind of uh, bridge things with empathy, such as, such as you're playing with your Legos because putting pants on doesn't feel good, aren't you? Or something like that. The goal of gentle parenting is for the child to learn to recognize and control their emotions because the parent is consistently affirming those emotions as real and important and valid. The parent models behavior, um, but doesn't incentivize uh, the child to model that same behavior, all in the hopes that the child becomes self-regulating. They do the right things because they want to do the right things not because of punishment, not because of reward. So it's often seen as the, the exact opposite of, of authoritative parenting, for example, um, which also holds to emotional attachment, of course, but also takes advantage of, of discipline, such as timeouts or groundings or whatever is in the parent's arsenal. It's, this has all been spread through such books as uh, Della Hook's um, book, Brain Body Parenting, um, Sarah Oswell Smith's um, How to Be a Calm Parent. And also she wrote a book called The Gentle Parenting Book. You have it popularized through the podcasts of um, Janet Lansbury and uh, Robert um, Robin uh, Einzig's um, uh, Visible Child Facebook group and Destiny Bennett's TikToks uh, and, and the very popular Instagram um, tutorials of Becky Kennedy, who's known as, as Dr. Becky by her um, fans. Um, but as you would imagine, it has more than its fair share of critics and um, who have great concerns about its approach and, and its its presuppositions, uh, quite frankly, which I have a feeling you're going to want to talk about. <laughs> and that feeling would be accurate. Yes, because I do think that one of those predispositions is the, or presuppositions, sorry, is the idea that children are not naturally defiant. Like instead, their misbehavior is simply a physiological response to stress. And to me, I mean, this kind of sounds just like the relativistic position that people are not inherently bad. We just make mistakes sometimes. I have a problem with that stance, but I'm interested to hear your thoughts. Well, I think you should have a problem with that stance. And I mean, I would agree with your assessment. Philosophy behind gentle parenting is that children don't defy you as a parent for the sake of of being defiant. Instead, it's more of a response to stress. Uh, That is a very questionable assumption. Uh, Anyone who has parented a child, and I have, I know you have, are in the thick of it, but I I raised four children and I'm now interacting with 15 grandchildren. And so I've got a lot of observations and I'll go ahead and tell you that I think it goes without saying that children can and will be defiant for the sake of being defiant. Uh, they'll test you. They will test boundaries. They will, they will challenge you um, just for the sake of the challenge, just for the sake of the defiance. As one writer put it in an article on gentle parenting, in fact, this was in the New Yorker, uh, not exactly a bastion of conservatism. Uh, we'll link to this in the show notes. But it was, uh, but it's, you know, it was talking about how under the gentle parenting umbrella, um, a child's every act has to be seen through this lens of, of, of anxiety and, and threat detection, uh, which reduces the parent to a child psychologist 
and an emotional security guard. Uh, but sometimes little Timmy, who I've been bringing up, uh, tests or destroys boundaries just for the thrill of it. Or for another reason, the sin of it. And, and that's the other problem with, that, with this approach to parenting. And I, think, and I think it's a significant problem. And you alluded to it in your question. The idea that children are not inherently bad or more theologically put, they're not inherently sinful. If you are a biblical Christian, you most certainly believe that they are inherently sinful. You most certainly believe that they're sinful creatures. Um, there is a willful disobedience that runs rampant in all of us at every age. And let's be clear, it starts young. Hmm. Well, I wonder then if it would be productive, just considering the different philosophies, to talk about the goal of discipline. Like, I remember how important it was for me the first time that I heard um, that discipline, like, as a parent, I should discipline for character rather than compliance. And so, as you mentioned, you, you've raised four children and you've got a lot of grandchildren that you're helping out with, too. So what are your thoughts on that? What do you see as the goal of discipline? Yeah, but, but if you'll allow me, let me let me talk about that for uh, more than a moment. Um, there, there are two primary goals when it comes to discipline. Uh, the first is the establishment of authority. And now let me chase that a bit. I, I want to talk about authority. Authority is kind of what's in the crosshairs here in many ways. Um, I once read an interesting research project by Dr. Eric Sigmund from the Royal Society of Medicine in the UK. And we'll, again, link this in the show notes. It detailed the alarming rates of child depression and teenage pregnancy and, and obesity and violent crimes by adolescents and on the list goes that most of us are only too painfully aware of in our world. His research found that even nursery age children uh, became, have become increasingly violent and disrespectful toward their teachers and caregivers. Parent battering is on the rise. Uh, and the number of police officers attacked by children soaring and his research pointed to one primary cause for all of it, a generational lack of respect for authority. He just pinpointed it in his research. And he titled the paper, the research paper where he unveiled all this, The Spoiled Generation. He cites how we live in a day where, where children believe adults are the ones that have to earn their respect and how our attempts to empower children coupled with a lack of discipline um, have led to rising levels of violence at home and at school and, and on the street. His research found that many children thought, and this is really interesting, and, and, and I, I'm going to go ahead and tell you I tend to agree with him on this, but it's, 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 it's going to be, you know, it runs the risk of making some parents uncomfortable. But he found that many children that where the parents thought or someone had thought that they had attention deficit hyperactivity disorder, ADHD, that they really, he said, that's not the problem. The problem is they've never learned how to behave. It reminds me of an interview that I once uh, heard on NPR. It was about a juvenile court judge. And um, he said that in his court, he had seen violent juvenile crime triple uh, over recent years. And the reporter who was interviewing him asked him why he thought that was the case. And I'll never forget what he said. I, re I remember I, I literally, the next traffic light, kind of jotted this down because I thought it was so telling. He said, well, first he said, kids lost the admiration of authority. Second, then they lost respect for authority. He said, now they've lost the fear of authority. 
establishing authority in the home uh, by the parent for the child is simply one of the clearest biblical principles there is. In Ephesians 6, uh, we're told that children should obey their parents, going all the way back to Exodus uh, 20 with the Ten Commandments. They should honor their father. They should honor their mother. And then it says that fathers should bring them up with loving but firm discipline. You know, I often talk, and, and you've heard me enough, <laughs> sadly enough for you, to know that I've often talked about uh, the dynamics of parenting in terms of being uh, informed, involved, and in charge. Um, authority is about you as a parent being in charge, the third of those, not your child. Your child is not in charge, but that's not the vogue of parenting. I, 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 re I once read an article uh, that quoted a child development expert who was very into gentle parenting, very into you know this topic. And as a result, he was very anti-discipline. And because he said discipline suppresses their emotions. And the goal is to talk things through with your child, to understand uh, them and why they did what they did and to make sure the child feels heard. It's not important that you are heard by the child. It's just important that the child feels heard because it's all about acknowledging their feelings. So of course, don't spank. That would border on the criminal. And also, but don't put them in timeout. Don't ground them. Don't take away privileges. Don't send them to their room. And here was his final line. Don't do anything that would establish your authority over them. And that's the heart of the issue. Authority. Is a parent going to exercise it or not? Is a parent going to embody it or not? Uh, will the parent be in charge or not? Uh, that's the first goal of discipline, quite frankly, is to establish authority and to be in charge. And it is a very strong biblical principle. Here's the second goal of discipline. And it speaks to what you brought up in your question. And it's character formation. Uh, we think that discipline is what shapes behavior, but at its best, it is what shapes character. And here, gentle parenting advocates are, I believe, right, that it's character that we want driving behavior. Where I would differ is that the absence of discipline is what creates that. I would argue, and I think research would argue that it, it's the, and of course, the Bible would argue that it's the presence of effective discipline that creates it. Good discipline is about directing and leading and forming and molding a child's inner world. It's not about punishment as much as it is about life correction, uh, setting them on the right path. And, 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 and here's the path, raising kids who honor and respect authority and who give honor and respect to authority. And that's exactly what the Bible focuses on. It's interesting when you read scripture on parenting and there's so much there to read and to learn from, it assumes you're going to love your child. It assumes you're going to provide for your child. It assumes you're going to make sure they're educated. It doesn't spend time on those. It's assumed. It doesn't assume, and as a result, spends time reminding us, but it doesn't assume that they'll be raised in a way that they will give honor and respect to you or any other authority. Almost like this is where sin is going to rear its head the most. Which is why the Bible continually reminds us to not drop the discipline ball. You, you can't just manage them or, or handle them or compensate for them or supervise them or, or make excuses for them. You have to discipline them, uh, which means you meet bad behavior, which tends to revolve around the lack of honor and respect for authority. You meet it with punishment. I mean, yes, punishment, something unpleasant. 
uh, something they don't want to experience again. Uh, something that in their juvenile, immature, developing brain makes them say, I don't think I'll act that way again if that's what you're going to do to me or if that's what the consequences are. You see, their inner world is sin-stained, sin-marked, sin-soaked, sin-driven, and it needs to be shaped and developed. Uh, that's why we call it character development. <laughs> so that development isn't just about coaching. Uh, it, it's going to have to involve discipline, consequences to our actions, punishment for our wrongdoing. But I think touching on something that you just mentioned, I, I, I think what I really dislike about people using the term gentle parenting, or you mentioned like mindful parent, parenting or intentional parenting, like which all are like such... I mean, attractive names when you think about, like, I want to be a gentle parent. I want to be mindful, intentional. It's just that the term gentle parent, parenting, it refers to an absence, of, like, it, it unnecessarily suggests that discipline is not gentle, that it's some sort of just, like, harsh punishment or, you know, worse, a result of a parent's kind of maniacal need for control. So could we just, I don't know, like, could you just talk about the role of gentleness and encouragement and discipline. Yeah. And first, you know, we, we could do an entire podcast on how certain terms have been hijacked, tied to certain agendas or positions, making it so that if you're somehow against that ideology, you're, you're opposite, you know, like yeah. if you're, if you're not like the word inclusive or the word pro-choice or the word gentle. I mean, these are all terms that are, are I'm not trying to lump gentle parenting with those others, but in terms of culturally, but how there are certain words that are used that make it very difficult to say, oh, I'm not into gentle parenting. I'm into harsh parenting sure, exactly. or something like that. So I'm, I'm glad you brought that up. I think calling gentle parenting gentle is really disingenuous because it does make any other approach fall into obviously some kind of harsh category and who, who doesn't want to be gentle, as you said, and, 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 and we are to be gentle, but you can be gentle and disciplined. Even the, in fact, you're supposed to be, even the Bible says that God is gentle with us as a father to a child. And then it goes on to say, and he also disciplines us as that father because he loves us. So it's not an either, or it's a both. And so with, with that in mind, let me talk about the dynamics of discipline just a bit, because you kind of set me up and I'm going to go there uh, because I, I'm, I'm, I'm going to take that cracked open door and I'm going <laughs> to run with it. Discipline should never be used for childish irresponsibility, but, it, but only for willful disobedience. And there is a difference. Willful disobedience is rebellion. Uh, it's when you tell your kid to do something and they look you in the eye and they say, no, no. Or they melt down in some kind of tantrum. Or, you know, they, they want a reaction or they're trying to challenge you and your authority. And when that happens, as I've often said to parents, don't disappoint them. Uh, take up that challenge. Uh, if they throw a tantrum, don't reward it. Meet it with, you know, head on or purposefully ignore it. Anything but have the tantrum work. Anything but have the tantrum achieve the intended goal. But there are more subtle ways, obviously, of, of children showing willful disobedience. You tell them to do something and, and they, they roll their eyes at you or they take a particular tone of voice or they have a body language or they storm out of the room or they slam a door. And it's unmistakably disrespectful, belligerent, dishonoring. That shouldn't be tolerated for one minute. Respect for authority has to do with them minding you as a parent, doing what you say, obeying you and honoring you. 
And it's so interesting that one of the hallmarks of gentle parenting is that you never say to a child uh, to do something because you said so. Mm-hmm. In other words, don't ever have anything flow from authority, mm-hmm. which, which I think is extremely undermining as a parent and, and very counterproductive. Uh, but they, they need to honor you and not just you, but others in authority. See, what is established in the home is what you'll see played out in every other aspect of that child's life. Uh, when a child talks back to a teacher or any other authority figure or ignores them or shows disrespect in some way, it's because it was allowed to take place years before in the home. Uh, but don't confuse willful disobedience, as I mentioned, with childish irresponsibility, because childish irresponsibility is, is just that. It, it's childish. It comes with kids being kids. Uh, it's, a re- it's a reflection of their immaturity, their age, their, their, their lack of, of, of physical development, even mental development. It's not so much rebellion as it is just being young. Uh, you know, they leave their bikes out in the rain absentmindedly. It's wanting to run all over the house because they've got so much energy. They don't know what to do with it. And, and you know, I, uh, it, it's, it's leaving messes wherever they go. It's knocking over the milk carelessly. It's forgetting to tie their shoes. It's, it's forgetting to flush. In fact, it's one of the cardinal rules of a child is you don't flush. Yeah. Um, and they're going to be loud. They're going to be messy. They're going to be clumsy. Uh, you don't discipline that out of them. That would not be shaping their will. That would be breaking their spirit. Mm. Um, those things don't deserve discipline as much as training and development, patience, a healthy sense of humor, and a good glass of Merlot at the end of the day. <laughs> but willful disobedience, you need to be on it without hesitation. And here's why. Love. Mm love. I mean, because you love your child. And the Bible over and over and over again links love and discipline when it comes to willful disobedience and the establishment of authority. Um, Proverbs is one of the greatest manuals for parenting there is. And and, and Proverbs says a refusal to correct uh, is um, a refusal to love. Love your children by disciplining them. Uh, Proverbs um, 13, uh, that's where that is, I believe. And, and, and there's a, this is a big area of confusion for parents today. Uh, somehow in their head, love and discipline don't go together. Right. They just work so hard to protect their child from any and all unpleasantness that to be the one who brings it is almost unthinkable. So they don't. Yeah. Uh, they may talk, warn, nag, coach, but never discipline. That's not loving your child. It's actually abandoning your child abdicating your role, forsaking your responsibility. We've all heard the horror stories of parents leaving young children in the backseat of a car on a hot day. Mm. If a child is abandoned in a car like that, you would question that parent's love and attentiveness, uh, their concern, their attention to responsibility, and rightfully so. To fail to discipline, and I believe it this strongly because I think the Bible puts it forward this strongly, to fail to discipline is to leave your child in the backseat of the car morally, spiritually. Uh, developmentally. If you love your child, you will discipline them in that love, not in anger, not in frustration or in any way that is abusive. That would not be loving, but you will discipline them. And the payoff, the payoff is, it isn't just honor and respect for authority. This is something I wish I could get across to more families. And I try to, to get across to families. The payoff goes far beyond that. There's another verse in the book of Proverbs Um, where it says, discipline your child and you'll be so glad you did. And it says, they will turn out to be delightful (laughs) to live with. Um, 
Proverbs uh, 29, I think, but we'll get for, get it for sure in the show notes so that people can have these scriptures. Have you ever been around a child who is a delight? Yes. I mean, they're just a joy to talk to. They're respectful. They're, they're, they're courteous. And, and you've done a delightful job with this, by the way. That's why whenever I'm walking through our coffee shop in the grounds and you've got uh, one of your children with you, I always enjoy stopping and talking with them because they look me in the eye and they're respectful and they talk and they're always responsive. I mean, they're, they're a delight. They're a delight. And, and, um, and your daughter's got me wrapped around her finger. <laughs> She's just, but, um, but, the, but, you know, when you have a child like this, they're a joy to talk with, they're respectful, they're courteous, they're not whiny all the time, they're willing to share, they don't throw tantrums every time when something doesn't go their way. And have you ever been around a family that just seems to enjoy being with each other? I mean, they're laughing and they're playing and they aren't fighting or bickering or sulking or tearing each other down. What is up with that? I mean, are there just good kids and just naturally loving families out there? No. Those kids were raised to be that way. And it's what brings peace and joy and delight to the home. And make no mistake, discipline is a part of that. Um, there was a, an older study, but it's, it, was, it was fascinating to me. Dr. Stanley Coopersmith, when he was associate professor of psychology at the University of California, he studied more than 1,700 middle-class boys and their families. And beginning in the pre-adolescent period and following them all the way through to young adulthood. So it was a fairly lengthy study. Of all the different characteristics of child rearing that distinguished them, discipline was ranked at the very top. The most successful children were the ones that were well-disciplined and had strong levels of accountability. But you know what else the study discovered? The families with strong discipline, not oppressive, just firm were also the families that remained the closest relationally over time and over the years. They were the ones most free of conflict. And that's so counterintuitive for most people today, which is why so many seem afraid to discipline, afraid to set rules and enforce them because they think it will make their kids turn away. Instead of peace, they think it will bring war. Instead of delight, they think it will bring tension. They're afraid that discipline will spoil their relationship with their child, that their child won't like them. And of course, the most important thing is for your child to like you. It's as if the child's emotional reaction is holding that parent hostage emotionally. And, and again, as you've often heard me say, I, I, your job as a parent is not for your child to always like you. Right. Your job as a parent is for them to always respect you. And that respect is what lays the foundation for a lifelong, loving, intimate, close, warm relationship. Because without it, you don't have peace. You have conflict. Well, I like what you said about the connection between discipline and intimacy and parenting. Because when I was thinking of even, again, another role of gentleness and discipline, and this is something I've heard you talk about a lot. And I mean, I've experienced for my own life too, but some of the sweetest moments between my children and I happen after discipline, what after your child realizes like I messed up and then you take them into your arms and you say, but I love you. Like I, I love you through this. I mean, we have had some of the sweetest moments there that help them yep. to realize like, even when I mess up or even when I, um, yeah, I, I feel so unlovable right now. Like my mom or my dad, like they're here for me. They like, they, they love me through these dark moments or these hard times. And, and that's such an important thing. I'm so glad you raised that because that's such an important thing to do as a parent is that you don't just discipline you, 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 you circle back around so that the child is secure in the relationship and they do understand why you did what you did. Mm -hmm. And they realize that there's obviously 
love and grace and forgiveness. In other words, you're teaching them, you're modeling for them the Father's love yeah. and the way the Father interacts with us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. Well, I, I don't think that all, like, I, I don't think you'd say this either, but I don't think all of gentle parenting is bad by any means. I think, but, and something actually that I really like about gentle parenting or that philosophy is that um, it does offer us a sensitivity towards the unique personalities of each child and various ways in which kids might respond to correction or learn from that. And so what do you think, like, how might a, ch- a parent need to consider a child's unique personality or makeup when it comes to discipline. Yeah, I, th- I think this is this is a very basic parenting principle uh, that anyone who has parented multiple children will tell you that every child is different, uh, and that includes how they respond to discipline, which means you need to vary your approach to discipline in light of that child's personality and their makeup and their sensibilities and sensitivities. Some children are extremely sensitive and responsive to discipline, and they need a light touch. Some you have to hit over the head with a two-by-four just to let them know you're in the room. And obviously, before anyone writes in, I'm speaking figuratively. Um, Some will respond best to verbal discipline, others to discipline that involves deprivation. Uh, Some need more physical approaches. So yes, this is where sensitivity to how your child is wired up and best responds is critical. What is perfect for one child, it could be way too heavy-handed for another or too light-handed for a third. Uh, and I don't think that's hard, though, for the typical parent to figure out. It, that, that's pretty low-hanging observational fruit. Most parents can very quickly and very easily tell you just the, kind, the, way, the way their children respond to various levels of discipline. Mm. What I've really appreciated about our conversation, which I think is lacking from just the discipline conversation in general with a lot of voices and a lot of opinions and philosophies is God's voice on discipline, like what he has to say about it and what we can learn from him. You've you've talked already a little bit about what God says, but do you have anything you'd like to add um, about what we can learn from how God talks about discipline in the Bible? Yeah, and I'm I'm really, you know, and and let me just say something I I just off top of of the just playing off of that before I answer your question. Um, one of the things that really surprises and concerns me as not just simply a pastor, but as a, as a Christ follower is how Christians will submit to the authority of the Bible or accept the authority of the Bible or the inspiration of the Bible or, or go to the Bible for various things and say, well, yeah, the Bible says, and that settles it for them. But when it comes to what it says about parenting, all of a sudden, man, the Bible's just, you know, I, I don't care what the Bible says. It's wrong, or I'm not going to do it that way, or I can't believe that's in the Bible. or and, and it's just all of a sudden, the Bible loses all of its credibility because it might say something about, I don't know, spanking or something, you know, or whatever. And and and, and they, it's, it, they don't really give it a good, firm, careful read. Um, as a Christ follower, this is God's inspired word to us. And whatever it says about parenting um, needs to be read and understood and applied uh, in the most loving, balanced way possible. Anyway, as I mentioned, the Bible does speak of God as both gentle with us and as one who disciplines us as the one who loves us. In fact, Scripture explicitly ties his discipline to his love, that he disciplines because he loves. He loves us too much not to discipline and, and there's one key passage here, knowing that we were going to be talking about all things discipline, and um, I'm glad there's a, a chance to, to bring it up. And, uh, and I, I brought it with me because I wanted to read it. Um, and the, the classic passage here 
is from the 12th chapter of Hebrews. And, 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 and uh, again, knowing we're going to be talking about all things discipline, I have it here. So let me just read this. Okay. Let me just give us all a stiff dose of what scripture specifically says. And this is the classic section. My child, don't make light of the Lord's discipline and don't give up when he corrects you. For the Lord disciplines those he loves and he punishes each one he accepts as his child. As you endure this divine discipline, remember that God is treating you as his own children. Whoever heard of a child who was never disciplined by its father? If God doesn't discipline you as he does all of his children, it means that you are illegitimate. You're not really his children at all. Since we respected our earthly fathers who disciplined us, shouldn't we submit even more to the discipline of the father of our spirits and live forever? For our earthly fathers disciplined us for a few years, doing the best they knew how. But God's discipline is always good for us, so that we might share in his holiness. No discipline is enjoyable while it is happening. It's painful. But afterward, there will be a peaceful harvest of right living for those who are trained in this way. And all God's people said, yeah, amen. <laughs> yeah, you know, but two, but two things stand out to me from that, that speak not only to our relationship with God, but our relationship with our children. First discipline is always rooted in love and, and motivated by love, uh, not anger, frustration, you know, uh, uh, complicity, love. And second discipline is inherent within any healthy, loving, good, effective parent child relationship. It's going to be there, but whether it's us and God or us and our children, it's a responsibility. It's an obligation, something that is um, has to be there for um, a good, healthy parent-child relationship. Discipline's never pleasant. Uh, God doesn't enjoy having to do it, and neither should a parent. But it's always something good. Well, to close our conversation, I wonder if you might have any ideas as to how, I guess, I guess, here's my question. How might a church community come alongside parents who really do want to listen to what the Bible has to say about discipline and really honor that? And because like, like we started the podcast, this is becoming more and more countercultural to do so. And it's tough. I mean, it's tough to feel like you're swimming against the current all the time. So how, how might the church, the church community, how might they better support parents in this season of life? Boldly teach on it. Yeah, I, I, I never, I never do a parenting series. There's, well, there's hard to do any series where I'm serving up what Scripture says, where I don't get blowback, and that's fine. Um, you know, I'm, you try to present it in a way, but you always have some that just say, "Oh, I don't agree, I don't agree, I don't agree," and it's like you just, you have to just stick to your guns and say, "Well, you know, it, it, to my, to the best of my ability as a teacher and interpreter and expositor, this is what Scripture says." And, and all coupled with my years of experience as a parent and applying it. So teach on it boldly. And also, and also so that people know that genuinely the average person just doesn't know what the Bible teaches or they, they, they have a caricature of it, you know, take out the rod and just going at it, which is not exactly what it says, a little more nuanced than that. <laughs> um, even though corporal punishment is something that, that scripture does uphold as a, as something that can be used lovingly, but teach on it. 
Second, acknowledge it as a countercultural voice and let people know. And as we started this off, and as, even as you mentioned the series that we're in now, we're calling it Courageous Parenting for a reason, because it does take courage to parent God's way, to parent biblically in our world, because it is swimming upstream. I, I, I've had so many parents tell me over the years that one of the things that, that, is, that is so helpful to them is how through parenting series and marriage series and other things related to family and home, it's almost like they're reminded, you're not crazy. That, you know, you're not crazy. And, and I know that you feel very isolated sometimes and alone and, and that you are going against everything in culture. And, and it makes you insecure as a parent. You know, am I doing the right thing? And it's like, no, you hang in there. and You're never going to go wrong doing it God's way and following his word. And um, just remind them, you're not crazy. You're not. And, and I think that that's a helpful thing. And that's what a church really can do. And, and we do that on so many fronts, don't we? That, that we're, we're almost, we're, we're that salt and that light in a saltless and dark culture. And one of the reasons why people need church, they need community, they need biblical leadership and biblical teaching because um, it's, it's, it's the antidote to the worldview that they're exposed to every other minute of their lives. And so I would say that's, that's what we can do, encourage and support one another to stay true to what scripture says. Well, I hope that this podcast also for any parents listening who have been feeling like they're crazy, then hopefully this podcast also helps to serve and tell you you're not crazy. Well, at least not in the area of discipline. I can't speak to all areas, but, um, but yeah, thank you, Jim, for tackling this. Um, yeah. And thank you guys for listening. I hope you guys t- tune in again next week.